Good morning. Please join me in the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, your only Son, you overcame death and opened to us the light of eternity. Enlighten our minds and kindle our hearts with the presence of your Spirit, that we may hear your words of comfort and challenge in the reading of the Scriptures. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture today comes from John chapter 21, verses 4 through 17. Hear these words. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered, No. He said, Cast out your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they did, and there were so many fish that they couldn't haul in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he wrapped his coat around himself, for he was naked, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from shore, only about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter got up and pulled the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. Yet the net hadn't torn, even with so many fish. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples could bring themselves to ask, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, who, Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm curious how many of you have seen a Marvel movie. Raise your hand if you've seen a Marvel movie. All right, about half of y'all or so. So this Thursday, it's all coming to a head with Infinity War. It's one of the kind of big uh, movies in the Marvel Universe. And if you've never seen a Marvel movie, uh, you, should, you should watch one, right? Pick one. Uh, Iron Man or Thor or Spider-Man, I don't care. You just you pick one, it's going to be great. And then uh, you wait, right? This is what you do, is you wait until all the credits roll. And then at the very end, there's like this little teaser trailer of something that's coming up on the future, right? So this chapter of the Gospel of John that we just heard 
is really like that little teaser trailer. Because if you read at the very end of John chapter 20, there's this nice little wrap-up, right? Jesus has appeared to the disciples. He's appeared to Thomas, who struggles with doubt. We're going to hear about that next week. And then at the very end of John chapter 20, it says, And Jesus did many other things that if all the books in the world were written, it could not contain all the things that Jesus did. Done. End of story, right? Fade to black, cut, roll the credits. But then John chapter 21 kind of spurs on the scene, and it opens up not in Jerusalem where we left off, but around the lake of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And they're out on the beach, and they're having uh, breakfast, right? Jesus is preparing breakfast, and there's this fishing scene, and there's this, this dialogue that takes place between Jesus and Peter. So some people would say that John chapter 21 is not really a kind of an original part of the Gospel of John, that it was added later. But I think if we're faithful to the text and we take a look at that, we'll see that the author of John wants us to have this sort of epilogue, if you will. This sort of like, the story's ended. Now let me tell you what happened to Peter in particular. Peter's life is an interesting one. It's, uh, it's one that resonates with me personally. And I wonder if you resonate with, with Peter as well. Because I think, um, let me put it this way, I, I'm a pastor, that's why I, one of the things I, I do, that's why I'm up here. And in the United Methodist Church, we talk about identifying your call. Where we believe that you're kind of called into ministry. I think it's helpful maybe that we should uh, recapture this idea of call for all of it. I think God call, calls us all to a particular task. And part of our, our task, our discernment as individuals in the community of faith, is listening to God's call on our life as people. We need to recapture this idea of call. So the, the details around Peter's call are different because Paul, he's the guy on the, the right with the weird looking forehead. Apparently he wasn't a very attractive guy. Uh, Paul, his, his details are interesting, right? You might recall the story in the Bible. Paul is on his way to Damascus. He is like chief persecutor of the church. That's his title. And he's awesome at it. He goes around and he imprisons Christians. He murders them. He does, he's really good at his job, right? He's on his way to Damascus to do his job. And then Jesus gets a hold of him and appears to him and he's blinded. You all recall the story? And then Paul has a, a, what we'd call a 180 conversion experience. He goes from, from persecuting the church, right, to planting churches. He goes from destroying disciples to crafting and making disciples. This is Paul's call. It's a 180 overnight, like boom, everything changes. Peter's call is a little different than Paul's call. Right, Jesus in the Gospel of John gets a hold of Peter early on and says, your name was Simon, but I'm gonna change it to Peter because on you, Peter, Petra, I will build my church on you, the rock. Jesus changes Peter's name. A name in that day and age was really your whole identity. Everything was wrapped up in what you could produce and the lineage of your family. And Peter is uh, like his father before him, like his father before him. This is his identity. So for Jesus to change and craft Peter's name to something different is going to just shake him to his core. And then a little bit later on in the Gospels, we, we hear about this, this story where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, who are kind of the inner three, right? Again, the disciples are typified as 12, and then there's always like Peter, James, and John. 
Peter, James, and John. Like, it would it'd be interesting to be like, not Peter, James, and John. And to be like, why does Jesus always take Peter, James, and John on his field trips? Right? It's like, Peter, James, and John, come with me. The rest of you stay here and um, mind the camp. We'll, we'll be back. Right? And so he takes Peter, James, and John. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the top of this mountain. And Jesus pulls back the heavens. And Peter, James, and John see Jesus transformed. And they see the heavenly hosts. And they come back down. And then, like, Andrew's like, dude, how was it? Right? And Peter's like, I can't explain it. <laughs> right? It was something else. Figures. You always get to go with Jesus. Right? Peter, James, and John always go with Jesus. They always kind of get to see different things. They're taking on his field trips. And Peter lacks the words to really sort of explain this to other folks. It, it's unexplainable. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Right? And he feeds them with fish and loaves. And he doesn't do the miracle. This is something that's often overlooked in the text. Jesus does not actually do the miracle. He says, you all take care of it. So Peter's like, fine, we'll take care of it. We'll find the food. So Peter, James, and John, and these other disciples, right, they go and they find the food. They bring it, they, and Jesus blesses it, and they hand it out, and they feed. And then Jesus is very tired, right? And so they kind of get on this boat, and they're, and they're going along. And then um, Jesus has this moment where he has a really, really hard teaching about what just happened, about this bread and the fish. And Jesus gives what some scholars would say sort of a Eucharistic kind of a Holy Communion explanation about the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you eat, you won't hunger. And then a bunch of the disciples like desert him because Jesus had more than 12 disciples. And a bunch of them just, just leave and they say, teacher, this is a very hard teaching. We cannot follow you. They leave. And then Jesus looks at Peter, James, and John, the other disciple says, will you too leave me? And Peter says these words. This is in John chapter 6. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else can we go, Jesus? We dropped everything. We're following you. We have come to believe. We went up on the mountain with you. We believe that you are the Holy One of God. You have the words of eternal life. We will follow you. In Matthew, Jesus has um, done some teaching. He's tired. He gets in the boat. He goes across the way. And the disciples are in the boat. You all might recall the story. And Jesus is going to kind of meet them halfway, right, across the sea. And so Jesus begins to walk on water because they're not quite to the shore yet. And then they're in this boat, and they think that what they're seeing is a ghost. But Peter is the only one with the courage and the guts to take a step out of that boat. Because he says this, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And you know the rest of the story about Peter, or this is it right here if you don't. Peter's walking on the water, and then he begins to sink. And Jesus grabs him by the hand and says, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Peter has this sort of unique relationship with the Lord. On the night in which he was betrayed, there is the garden. And they're, they're circled in this upper room. They're gathering. They're at table together. They're eating. And then they're talking about who's going to betray him. And Jesus says this, says, Where, am I, where I'm going, you cannot go. And then Peter says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? 
And these words come out of Peter's mouth, I will lay down my life for you. Lord, I've been to the mountaintop with you. You've changed my identity. I will lay down my life for you. A little bit later, right, Jesus takes his disciples out into the garden. They gather and they're praying. This is on the night in which he was betrayed into the Romans and the Jewish officials. He takes Peter, James, and John a little bit further. And he says, you all stay here and pray. Keep watch. And then he takes Peter a little bit farther and says, you stay here pray and keep watching. Then Jesus goes a little bit farther and prays. And when he comes back, he finds Peter asleep. <laughs> asleep. This Peter who has had his identity changed, who, who walked on water and, and begins to falter, who participates in, in miracles and sees thousands fed, falls asleep praying, who proclaims that Jesus is the Holy One of God, he's got nowhere else to go, that Jesus has the words of eternal life, Proclaims that he will lay down his life for God. Man, this is, this is powerful. This is Peter, sort of the highlights of his call. But I think we're more like Peter than we care to admit. Maybe we've seen God move. Maybe we've taken some steps of faith out of the boat. Maybe we've been at prayer, fallen asleep. <laughs> Maybe we've been asked if we, if, we, if we will follow Jesus. We'll say, I'll leave all those things and I will. But for me, my call resembles Peter a lot more than Paul. I struggle with that. I struggle in my walk with God. I struggle following after Jesus. I'm like, yes, Lord, I will pray right after I take a short nap, right? I will, I will go with you to that place right after I get my friends and we hang out at the camp. I struggle as, and I resonate with Peter. In our scripture today, we heard about this from John chapter 21. We should note that John chapter 21 does not take place without Mary, Right? Mary is the first person that Jesus appears to and says, go and tell Peter and the rest of the disciples that I've risen from the grave. So Mary is faithful. She goes and she tells the disciples and she tells the good news about Jesus conquering the grave. So if it wasn't for Mary, John chapter 21 would not happen. This is the third appearance to the group of disciples. And you'll see that John loves the number three a lot of people will say it's sort of like Trinitarian. It's good rhetoric, right? If you say something three times, people will remember it. So it happens, you know, Jesus appears to the disciples once, twice, and a third time. So once they're all kind of gathered together, Jesus appears. The second time, they're all gathered in a locked room. And you have to ask the question, why are they gathered in a locked room? That's an interesting detail. But we should recall that their leader was just crucified by the Roman government. And so they are afraid for their lives because people are talking about their leader. He's, they, they can't find the body. The tomb is empty. The word is spreading. And so the disciples are like, okay, maybe they're going to be thinking we did it. They're coming after us. So they lock the doors and Jesus appears to them. The third time Jesus appears, this is on the beach. And Jesus is making breakfast. And they gather on the beach around what's called a charcoal fire in the Greek. We heard it from the CEB and in a number of translations. There's this Greek word, the adjective on the front end of this fire is the word charcoal, which is sort of like, I mean, how many of you a grill? Charcoal folks, right? Me, I'm not a propane guy. I'm a charcoal guy. I get it. But Jesus is a charcoal guy too. That's where I get it from. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Got a grill of charcoal. So this is an interesting word though, this adjective charcoal, is that it actually only occurs one other time in all of scripture. Isn't that nuts? It's not in Genesis, not, this is not anywhere else. It occurs one other time in all of Scripture. It's, it's here and one other time in the Gospel of John. Peter is 
warming himself next to a charcoal fire. And they say, aren't you that disciple who followed Jesus around? And Peter goes, me? No, no, it wasn't me. Peter's warming himself next to a charcoal fire and they say, aren't you that guy? I saw you, you were feeding folks and you were, you were walking with Jesus. I, I saw you, isn't your name Peter? He goes, no, no, my name's Simon. I'm just warming myself by the fire. Don't bother me, I, I don't know that guy. They say, aren't you that guy? You, you're a disciple of Jesus. And Peter warming himself by the charcoal fire says, no, I don't know the man. It's not me, you got the wrong guy. John is intentionally tying these stories together. He wants us to see that where Peter denied Jesus three times around a charcoal fire, it's here on the beach around a charcoal fire that Peter is restored three times. He's asked this question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? John wants us to draw these two things together in our mind. And so we ask this question, do you love me? He says it three times. Now in Greek, right, there's, uh, there's a lot of different words for love. In English, we have one. You know, I love my wife and I love tacos. And so it's difficult to explain the depths of my love for my wife because they're not the same depths of my love for tacos. They're just different types of love. But in Greek, there's three different words primarily for love. And some of these you might be familiar with, right? The first one is eros. This is sort of the uh, erotic love, the sort of love between lovers, uh, between husband and wife, between partners. Right? This is the love that they have for each other, the eros. The second love is uh, Philadelphia, right? It's the city of brotherly love. Phileo, right? Phileo is a sort of camaraderie. It's this brotherly love. I love you like a brother. I love you like a sister. It's different than I love my, my partner, right? But I love you like, like a friend. Phileo. And this third one that's often categorized is, is agape love. It's the relentless, constant, pursuing, all-forgiving love of God. It's that agape love. It doesn't come across in the English because, again, right, I love my wife and I love tacos and I love fast cars. And, you know, we've got one word. It's called love. But in Greek, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo you. And then Jesus says, but no, Peter, do you agape me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo you. So Jesus says, Peter, do you, do you phileo me? Peter goes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Now, some scholars will say that Jesus is lowering sort of his expectations of Peter and how he should love him, right? He's calling him to agape love, but he can't quite get it. And it's not ultimately true. It's a misconception in this passage. John uses these words, the author of John uses these words interchangeably, right? God uh, calls us to love each other with phileo and agape love, and God loves the people with phileo love. So these words are used interchangeably, just so we're clear. But I wonder if Peter knows that. I wonder if Peter hears what Jesus is saying as he calling him to love him. And also in this passage he says, do you love me more than these? Which ultimately is not really helpful because it's not clear what Jesus is talking about. Do you love me more than these things? 
<laughs> and we don't know what he's talking about, right? Is he talking about the rocks on the, on the shore? Is he talking about the fish on the fire? Do you love me more than these fish? Like he, doesn't, he doesn't say. And so a, a couple things grammatically we can draw from this that might be perceived. The first is, maybe he's talking about, do you love me more than the, 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 the disciples who are gathered here in this place? Do you love me more than them? This is probably unlikely because just a few chapters earlier, Jesus is calling his disciples to love one another. Right? This is how they will know that you are my followers, by your love for one another. So Jesus is calling us to love one another. So Jesus is probably not asking that. Another thing that scholars will talk about is when identifying, do you love me more than these? Is saying, do you love me more than the boat? Do you love me more than the fishing net? Those are the tools of Peter's trade. Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than sort of your old identity? Do you love me more than fishing? Because that's all you know. That's how you identify yourself. That's how you gather your worth. Do you love me more than that? But maybe what's most likely is Jesus is asking him, do you love me with a greater love than all the disciples that are here gathered for breakfast this morning? Do you love me more than all of them? Because a lot is going to be asked of you. Do you love me? So imagine if John chapter 20 was the close of the gospel. Where is Peter at the end of chapter 20? Right? He's, uh, he's seen Jesus. We know he was sort of uh, afraid and sort of kind of left the tomb rather hurriedly. Um, where is the rock on which Jesus will build his church? With this chapter, Peter is restored, recommissioned, and resolved to purpose. It's in this section of the gospel that Peter is being called to action. Peter's being called to shepherd Christ's followers because Christ must ascend to the Father. Peter is called to take up the continual action of loving, caring, healing, ministering, and praying for those who seek after God. And we are being called to shepherd Jesus' followers as Peter was being called as well. We're being called to, to share our story, to shepherd, to love Christ with all that we got. And today Jesus is asking us the same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because you've said you love me before. You said that you were committed before. You said that I, had, I hold the words to eternal life. You tried to walk on water. You tried to follow me and dropped all your stuff before. Jesus is asking, do you love me? Are you sure? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Perhaps what Jesus is telling us today is that faith requires action on our part. Faith without works is dead. Faith requires evidence in our lives. Just answering Jesus' question of do you love me in the affirmative is not enough. Saying, yes, Lord, of course I love you. Yes, that's why I'm here at Chapelwood, aren't I? Of course I love you. I'm here. You know all things, Lord. Of course I love you. It's not enough. Because Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Then tend my lambs. The call out of this challenge for Peter and for us is to be all in as followers of Christ. Jesus asks, do you love me? Lord, you know that we love you. Then feed my sheep. 
And so may we have the courage to care for each other, to put our faith into action, to love, care for, heal with, minister alongside, and pray for those who God calls us to tend. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.